Are you looking for the raw truth about the U.S. healthcare system? Medical practice manager, owner, entrepreneur, and author James Egidio, with 23 plus years in the medical field, educates and informs his listeners about the changes, trends, and truth about the United States healthcare system. James interviews medical experts in various fields of the healthcare industry doctors, nurses, medical specialists, scientists, and professors that discuss the state of the U.S. healthcare system today, tomorrow, and in the future. Hi, I'm James Egidio, your host of the Medical Truth Podcast, the podcast that tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about the American healthcare system. Just to put out a disclaimer, this podcast and its associated content, that is the websites, articles, provide general information and discussions about health and related subjects. The information and other content in this podcast, that is the blog, website, or any link materials, are not intended or should not be considered as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with your personal physician. On July 14, 2005, after giving birth to her son Noah, my guest has been on an interesting but unexpected journey that she never anticipated. As she states in her book titled Warrior Mom, that can be found on Amazon, she receives her strength and courage through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. She has recently been appointed to newly announced presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s organization, Children's Health Defense, for the state of California. It is an honor and a blessing to introduce on the Medical Truth Podcast my guest, Ms. Tracy Slepcevic. Hi, Tracy. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for Good. having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I just would like to have you share with the viewers and listeners of the Medical Truth Podcast a little bit about your story. Okay. So many years ago in 2006, when Noah was one, after reaching all of his milestones and he could talk, he could, he walked and crawled early. I took him in for his one year while baby visit. And within 24 hours after that, he broke out in a full body rash and had a fever for about a week. And this was after receiving his MMR and Versella vaccines. And then after I asked the pediatrician what was going on, she just continued to tell me how normal it was. Over the next several months, I saw my son slowly start to lose his speech, some motor skills, cognitive function, and literally just went into this bubble and like I couldn't reach him. And I kept asking questions over and over. And by the time he was two years old, I put him into preschool thinking, hey, maybe he needs to engage with other children because he was an only child. And then they had a meeting with us and said, we recommend that your son be evaluated because he's not engaging with other children. He's not showing interest in potty training. He screams in tantrums because he can't communicate. And I was like, okay. So I went to the Harbor Regional Center. They did a pre-evaluation where it seemed as though the therapist that did the evaluation was just getting frustrated with Noah because he was running around screaming, flickering the lights. And she had told me he's either got severe ADHD or autism, but I'm not a clinical psychologist, so I can't diagnose that and walks out. Now you can only imagine as a mom, I was like, you don't say that to a parent, first of all. And 
then I never wanted to go back to the regional center again. So then I put Noah in a Montessori school thinking, okay, well, they'll get him to engage a little bit more. And here we go again. I had another school telling me, I'm sorry, but we can't care for your son. He's got special needs. And then here comes age three. And by then I'm still asking questions. I go in for another well baby visit and I ask the big question to my pediatrician, is it possible my son could have autism? And she looks at him, he's spinning her stethoscope and she's, nope, kids with autism don't do pretend play. Now, actually, that is a prime example of repetitive play which is very common in a child with autism. So I rolled it out and then I was still banging my head up against a wall, wondering what the heck was going on as I had still had no answers for my child and no direction. And then I, I always say when I'm at my lowest or my worst, God always sends me angels. And this has definitely been a spiritual path where there has been a lot of divine intervention. So one day I walked into the office, very frustrated, and my husband had hired a new front desk woman and I introduced myself and she, she asked me, is there, is there something wrong? And I said, yeah, I said, I just don't know what's wrong with my son and I'm getting really frustrated. Lo and behold, she had a son with autism and she started asking me questions and she said, you know what? I really think that you should go through the preschool now that he's of age three and have him evaluated. And so the pediatrician at that point had given me a referral to launch preschool for speech. And then after I did a phone interview with them, they said, we recommend you do a full evaluation on your son. Long story short, we did do a full evaluation through Launch Preschool, and they were amazing. It was about three hours long, and they asked all the questions. They took Noah in a separate room and evaluated all his skills, his speech, his functioning. And after a while, they met for a little bit, and then they came back in, and they said, I'm sorry to tell you, but we do find that Noah is autistic-like. Now, a school district can't formally diagnose a child with autism, so they use the words autistic. And so I, I actually took that report and I went back to the regional center where Noah was formally diagnosed by a clinical psychologist. That day, I was like, at least I have answers. Was I upset? Of course. I was like, what kind of future is my son going to have? So as we were driving home, I had to run back to the office and walking down the hallway, I saw my naturopathic doctor and here's my really big angel. He reaches out, he gives me a hug because he sees that I'm pretty upset and he asked me what's wrong. And I said, no, I was diagnosed with autism. And he backs up for a second. He looks me straight in the eye and he said, Noah is going to be okay. He said, I want you to go home and I want you to do your research because doctors are making great strides with biomedical intervention these days. And at the time I had studied nutrition and I was going to school for psychology, but I had no idea what biomedical intervention meant. But I quickly sucked those tears back up into my eyes. I went home and I got to work and I really dug deep 
into my research for my son. And I threw everything at this kid, but the kitchen sink. So I started off with reading books because I feel books are important. And then there was a story by Jenny McCarthy back then that truly gave me hope and made me feel like I wasn't alone. So that was the my intention for the first part of my book was to give parents hope, to let them know that they're not alone and that no matter what obstacles they face, they can overcome them if they set a clear intention to heal their child. So during this time, we had literally lost our business. Our house went into foreclosure, all different kinds of things that happen because my husband fights big insurance. And as big insurance fights back, just like big pharma does. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And my husband wound up in a smear campaign and on the front page of the LA Times tanking his reputation and his business. So we, we went through a lot during that time. I'd also had my own health issues and I had a couple surgeries that year. So I, that was the chapter of when it rains, it pours. But I wanted to give parents that hope and to also let them know that there are no excuses. You cannot have any excuses for not going the distance for your child. You either choose to or you choose not to. It's that simple. And part two is, what do you do if your child could have autism? One of the questions you should be asking yourself. So they don't take two and a half years to figure out what is wrong with their kid, like I did. Because time is of the essence. Early intervention is key for these kids. And they have a better chance of recovery or to start functioning at a higher level if you start intervention early. So I had already wasted two and a half years just trying to figure out what was wrong with my son. And I didn't want parents to have this. So I'm like, this is, these are your options prior to age three. Here's where you go after age three. These are the questions you ask yourself. Here's the different treatments and therapies. And here's some organizations that are making a really big difference today. And then here's some that are not. And different books that they could read. Now, a lot of those books that I did recommend are ones that I read back then. They made a huge difference in my life. And I don't think much has changed in that way. So in part three is all about biomedical intervention, addressing those underlying conditions. We can get functionality out of our children. Do I claim to cure or change my child? I do not. My son is still the most amazing, beautiful human being that God created him to be. But he went from not speaking to speaking. He went from barely functioning to fully functioning. He gained so many motor skills. And I don't believe he would have gotten any of this if I didn't apply those interventions. Because... I would do something for him. Let's say we took him to the Ukraine for stem cell therapy. Within one month, literally, my kid graduated from occupational therapy. They were like, what the heck is going on? He had very little motor skills, couldn't hang on to a monkey bar, couldn't climb a rock wall. He would just hang on to it for dear life. And then when he came back, he was flying up rock walls and was going back and forth on monkey bars. And he really, that's a huge 
success story for motorcycles for sure. And him being young and maybe also the protocol that we followed during that time, which was boosting the immune system prior to going out for stem cell therapy benefited him. And there's so many different types of stem cell therapy now, but all of it, I truly feel made a huge difference and an impact in my son's life. And if I didn't do these, where would he be now? So today, my son is 17, almost 18 years old. He's graduating from high school with honors. He's going to go to college for film. He wants to be a film editor. And he's an honor roll student. He's a really good kid. He can drive. He works. He can function in society. He is that success story. Does he have his challenges at times? Yeah. But I truly believe these are challenges of a lot of teenagers in general, especially with everything that's going on in society. And he might be a little more vulnerable than the average neurotypical teenager, but he is smart as a whip (laughs) and, and he is doing really well. And I, I thank God for that. Because if I didn't have these angels that came into my life at the most perfect times, I'm not quite certain where my road would have led. Even writing a book. I had said for so many years, I want to write a book and help parents so they don't have to go through all these challenges that I had to go through with Noah. And so I went on a retreat in the summer of 2020, and I met a woman who became a very dear friend of mine now who was an author and had just released her book. And we had talked and I said, well, I've always wanted to write a book about my story. And she just looks at me and she's what's stopping you. And it was a very heartfelt message. So spiritually I'm like, okay, here we go again. So I went home and I started to, do some research. How do you write a book? I don't know. How do you, where do I start? So I just started jotting down memories. So they say a good exercise is to jot down a hundred memories, especially if you're going to write your story, but I really wanted it to be like a guidebook. So I had a literary coach and that literary coach is like, let's break it up into three parts. Let's do your story. Let's do some resources and the medical intervention. And in the midst of all this, you hear a little bit beyond my story of how these things impacted my child. And that's where I've, I've led to being the author of Warrior Mom. I have a question. I just wanted to back up a moment. So he was born July 14, 2005. And how soon after he was born did he receive the MMR shot? So he was about 13 months old. Okay, so 13 months old. He gets the shot, right? When did you start noticing the difference in his behavior? So immediately he got sick from the shot. So he got that full body rash. I and mean, it was like a really bad rash. It actually took a mild steroid several weeks later because it wouldn't go away to flush it out of him. And then he had a fever for a week. And then over about a three to four month period, I saw this slow regression until he had no speech anymore, very little motor skills. Now we used to call Noah a monkey, he'd mm-hmm. climb the walls. He had motor skills like you couldn't imagine. Then he couldn't jump. He could walk, 
So I'm truly grateful because there are children that are literally like crawling on the floor from vaccine injury that I didn't have that, but he did lose his motor skills, his inability to climb anything, to jump on two feet, to balance, to, to be coordinated even enough to tie his shoes. So this, all these things were struggles, but between a year and a half. And then the pediatrician just told me that was normal. Kids just regress before they progress. Yeah. Did you take him for a second opinion to other pediatricians to just assess the situation based on his behavioral changes after the MR vaccine? I did not. So I trusted that she had Noah's best interest. And then I was, I was very programmed myself. I was in the military. I was taught very much that you get your vaccines. And I've been well over vaccinated myself and have quite a few health issues. But I was always taught this is what you get. This is how you stay healthy. And unfortunately, I was very wrong. Yeah. And what kind of help did you get when you were like when you were getting concerned about the situation from the medical community and from physicians and from people you were going to, what was, how did they react? So we also had a very close family friend who was a doctor and I really feel like he held back being that family friend, although he was like a second dad to me, him and his wife had a big role in, in our lives back then and even today, but I think he was afraid to say anything. And then as soon as no what I did find out that Noah had autism. The first thing that he said to me was don't even think about not vaccinating. And I looked at him and I said, you know what, with all due respect, I'm going to do whatever it is that I feel is best for my child. And that's going to be from me, my motherly intuition and how, what I feel is right. So once I did know what was wrong with my son, I immediately found another doctor. Yeah. That doctor was a functional medicine doctor. And she actually 90% of her caseload was children with autism. So yeah. she definitely knew what she was doing. And she's a dear friend to this day. And it was a blessing to have her guiding me down this path. But she always tells me all the time, she was like, you were that one parent that was like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. Or I didn't have to be told twice. I didn't give an excuse when she said, do this. I just did it. And even though we didn't have money, I found ways to pay for it. Hyperbarics, mm -hmm. I bartered for it. I did the marketing. I sold everything that we had, if I could literally pick it up and put it on eBay back then, I sold it. And we short sailed our home and pulled money from that to be able to take Noah to the Ukraine for stem cell therapy. So when there was nothing standing in my way, and I'm not attached to earthly things. So no, it really exactly. didn't. I was on a mission back then. You know, sure. when we said my kid could heal. I was just like, that was my direction. Yeah. Yeah. So this family friend that was very aloof about giving you any type of advice, what do you think his reason of reacting that way? So what I find is doctors are very programmed. So most medical schools in general are funded by big pharma. 
And right. they're very programmed on what to prescribe for what and to vaccinate. Look at it this way. What are your pediatric baby visits meant for? They're meant to go in and get vaccines, right? right sure. So there, there's really no other purpose. I can take the weight of my child and measure the height and go on the CDC website and see what percentile he falls mm-hmm. into. That's not a problem. If they're sick, yes, that's another story. But she didn't seem to be doing a whole lot for me on that end either, except here's some more antibiotics for ear infections and so on and so forth. I just kept looking. So anyways, at the end of that year, after he told me this, so I found out Noah had autism in January of, I want to say he was four of 2009. And then by Christmas time, because we always went to their home for Christmas Eve, running around, talking, more eye contact. And he pulls me aside and he says, you know what, Tracy, whatever it is that you're doing, keep doing it and don't listen to anything that I say. But today he is very much, he's retired now, but he is very much against vaccines and especially ever since COVID came out. Sure. Son ended up going through medical school and you could tell right out of medical school, he is, nope, they're good, blah, blah, blah. And then now only, um, this was after his residency. And then a year later into all this, he's, no, I get it. But to keep my medical license, I have to, especially in California. Yeah, especially in California. It's interesting because I interviewed, are you familiar with Dr. Paul Thomas? From Oregon. Yeah, I interviewed Dr. Thomas and he said the same thing. He says uh, he was so accustomed that when he was going through his medical school training and, you know, as a pediatrician, as a specialty, that he was trained to believe that vaccines were the end all cure all for kids. They have to be done when they're pediatric patients. And he believed in that for a long time. And then he says it wasn't until he had to stop and for a minute and see that these children that were receiving vaccines were getting so violently sick and it was leading, which he believed into autism. And that's when he says, I had to switch gears. And I he brought a numbers cruncher friend of his in, a numbers guy and the neonatologist. So he started to see that the children that were being vaccinated, the pediatric patients were sicker than the ones that were unvaccinated. And he says, right there and then, he says, I knew I was on to something. He says, when I had a room full of healthy kids that were unvaccinated versus the really sick kids with asthma and all kinds of infections, childhood infections. So that's when he presented the, the work to the CDC and to the Oregon Board of Medicine. And they took his license. And this is where we're at, I think, with a lot of physicians is there's a lot of fear being instilled in them about their license and their livelihoods being taken away. And that, of course, we're very blessed to have several physicians now since COVID that have come forward and they just are putting their licenses on the line. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, and she's a very much against vaccinations and Dr. Carrie Mejia, Dr. Peter McCullough. So we're getting a lot of very courageous physicians. I think a lot of people are waking up to what's really going on right now. I think so. And I wouldn't call it woke. 
They're definitely waking up. A lot of those people that insisted upon getting that COVID vaccine out of fear are most of them are regretting it or knows that I was like, don't do it where their jobs were at risk. And they're like, I'm not far off from retirement. And they said, you're not going to retire if you don't have a life. And a lot of people didn't believe me in regards to this is a matter of life and death. This is, it's not. So it's no longer, I'm worried about being paralyzed or neurologically challenged or whatever. It's a matter of life and death. It's attacking the heart. And it's causing blood clots and strokes, myocarditis, and you name it, as so many people know. And really, I've been speaking out for so many years. So this isn't a new journey for me. It's just when everybody was like, oh my gosh, this is all bad. I'm like, yes, I've been fighting this battle for many years now. And it's a part of it is I'm glad that... The community's waking up, but unfortunately, it, it lives are gone. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. unnecessary. Yeah. Babies are dying. Blood transfusions. Sure. So now you have to be concerned with, oh, my gosh, what happens if I go to a hospital and they give me blood? Because they don't care if it's COVID blood or not COVID blood. And if you store your blood at a bank, it only lasts for about three months. So you'd have to like do it every three months. So that that becomes an obstacle itself. So there's many things. They're looking, Bill Gates is buying up a lot of land and wanting to infuse our food, our crops, our fruits, vegetables, and cattle with the mRNA. Yeah, yeah. I just interviewed Dr. Anna Maria Mahalcha the other day, and and this go this is this is not just vaccines. This is a multi layered issue right now with what's going on. And of course, <laughs> I always say if you're going to talk to the people who have gone through this, are people such as yourself, right? A vaccine injured patient or person, your son or someone who was vaccine injured with a COVID vaccine or people who have been in the medical field or are coming forward. I was in it all up until 2020, I had the medical practice. And you look at this and we all have to take a deep breath and take a step back for, especially a lot of the people that bought into the fear when they ginned up the fear factor back in 2020. What I tell a lot of people is they don't realize that we had already been through a COVID pandemic more or less back in 2003 and four with SARS, sudden acute respiratory syndrome. That was a COVID virus back then. And this has been a long range plan. But then again, it gets into a multi-layered issue of other things that are going on with basically an agenda. There's an agenda behind a lot of this stuff right now. absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to end. I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg as the public. We're caught in the middle of it. And I've told many people that I've interviewed on the Medical Truth podcast and to the people that listen and view it is don't make this a political issue. This is not a Democrat or Republican issue. We're actually in the middle of a very nefarious and perverse plan. We're in the middle of a very perverse plan. If, this is, if there is going to be, which they're saying there is a 2030 reset 
through Klaus Schwab. It's a spiritual warfare. And I keep saying that too. I interviewed Alex Newman from the Epoch Times yesterday. And I said, this is the time to get right with God. This is the time to to dig your heels into faith and into the Bible and start reading it and start getting into it, start believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because that's the side you want to be on. It's not going to be any politician that's going to save us from any of this. It's not going to be a politician. That's for sure. There's no question about it. It's not going to be a human person. It's not going to be an earthly person that's going to save us from this. We're not going to be saved from any of this. We're caught in the middle of a trap that's going to be a perpetual trap from here on out. If all you have to do is read Matthew 24 in the Bible and Jesus predicts the future and he says it right there in all in red letters. If you have a red letter Bible, he says it. So it's a it's spiritual warfare. And this is it's also personal choice, too. So we're not to fear what the media tells us. We're not to fear any of that. We're to embrace God and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and get our strength and our courage from him. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I just I'm just hoping and praying that we're going to see a faith-based revival and not a revolution in this country or in the world for that matter because like I said it seems like it's only going to get worse before it gets better. And I just interviewed Laura Bartlett. She has a hospital rescue group and here I was even mentioning in that particular episode that it wasn't long ago where the second safest place to be besides grandma's house on the weekend was the hospital. You can trust the doctors, right? You remember, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I'll be 60 in July and used to be able to trust doctors, the Dr. Welby's and all that. Now it's, who do you trust? (laughs) Who do you trust? And you really have to put your feelers out there and trust that God will guide you. I have a wonderful functional medicine doctor. Right. She is amazing. And I have a lot of really close doctors that, that I know that are all about doing no harm, which is their oath and truly follow a spiritual direction. in their practice. Because I think at this point, it's about being in service. So how can you be in service? And I tell a lot of them, stay out of the the media's eye and be careful. And you're a good doctor. Keep your license, please. Because the world needs doctors like you, especially here in California. And really good that the battles that Children's Health Defense has been fighting on the forefront legally to suppress some of these bills. Some of them are getting passed, but some are not. So we just won where they tried to pass the Gardasil vaccine being mandated for the HPV for school age kids. And this vaccine is high up there in in causing paralyzation and death and all kinds of stuff. So I'm I'm technically not an anti-vaxxer. Kind of am not. I'm pro-health. If they give me a vaccine that has been fully tested and had real studies with a placebo trial, which none of them have ever had a placebo trial, and it's working safely, 
then I'm open to it. But no vaccine in history has ever had a really good study. And all of them have caused some sort of injury. And ever since 1986, the Vaccine Act, pharmaceutical companies, doctors, nurses, anybody who administers a vaccine or the manufacturers of vaccines are all protected. Yeah. Not be sued. And this was the worst thing that ever happened. So unfortunately, we just have to lead. So I always say, I just let spirit guide me. Yeah get up on a stage and I speak or I talk to others or I get like feedback that I may not like. How can I respond to this feedback? And I can respond from a complete space of love and you can listen or you can not listen. You can be open to it or because everyone looks at that word healing, a mother's journey and healing her son with autism as cured or changed. I didn't say cured. And I didn't say changed. And I say it nowhere in my book. So <laughs> healing should, and they're like, you should just remove that word. No, because that is exactly what I did. My son was sick and I healed him. So yes, I'm going to use that word. And I'll gladly explain it to you if you're confused, because a lot of it is the autism community reaching out to me. Why do you want your son to change? I said, I don't. And he didn't. Yeah. He's the same beautiful child that I've always had. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it is, it's got to be a collective effort amongst everybody, a lot of people for this pushback to happen, because it just seems to me getting back to even the doctor situation, finding a doctor that wants to do the right thing, But as soon as that doctor's found out that he wants to do the right thing anymore, you got the medical mafia who wants to take his license away. These are boards and they're doing it. They're taking a strong arm tactic. And especially in California, from what I understand, they're really taking a strong arm tactic and basically pulling doctor's licenses and doctors that refuse to want to give the COVID vaccine to their patients. So you have a big, you have a lot of these entities, like I say, these boards that are just really pushing back on physicians and putting a lot of pressure on physicians. And I think it was Dr. Scott Jensen was telling me that 10% of the practicing doctors today have contemplated suicide. 10%. Look at Dr. Bradstreet back in the day. So when my son went to the Ukraine for stem cell therapy, it was under the Bradstreet protocol. He was the doctor that we were following his protocol to to take Noah to the Ukraine for stem cell therapy. But prior to that, it was GCMAF injections for six months to repair his immune system, which GCMAF got shut down as well. We had to order those out of England back then, and Big Pharma shut them down too. So it's in it, then they came after him so hard that he ended up committing suicide or who knows, maybe it wasn't suicide. I might be 100% wrong because I've heard the family say that there's absolutely no way that he would ever take his own life. So I just don't know. And I do know around that same time, a lot of naturopathic doctors and a lot of functional medicine doctors went missing 
it was just like a ripple effect. So it started yeah. Dr. Bradstreet, and then it was this a ripple effect. These doctors that speak out, they risk their lives. And yeah. even as I wrote my book, my husband's, are you prepared for the backlash? And I said, you know what? I've always felt like this is my purpose. Noah gave me purpose and I'm protected by God and his angels. Absolutely. And so I have no fear. Yeah, we can't have fear. The thing is, as soon as you, listen, they're gonna, they'll are gonna they come after you anyway. So it doesn't matter whether you want to be courageous or not. We have to be courageous. We have no choice. We have no choice anymore. This is it. We're at the 11th hour, probably 11.59 of the game here. And we have to be forthright. And we have to be, otherwise, they're already trying to censor people. They're already doing it. They're already doing it. So it doesn't matter who you are. You can roll over and take the blue pill or you can take the red pill and put the word out there and let them know how you feel. Because either way, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. That's just the way it's going to be. Absolutely. That's pretty much it. You know what? To me, it's we have to get out there. We have to get out there and we have to talk to our legislators. As parents, we have to fight. We have to educate ourselves. We have to know what we're up against. You need to store food. Make sure you have a water source or filters to filter water. Be prepared because it's coming. It's not a matter of if, if, it's a matter of when. It's like like owning a motorcycle. (laughs) It's not a matter of if you're going to fall. Yeah, it's true. So truly just being prepared. And I can tell you, like, grow your own garden. It takes nothing, absolutely nothing to plan a garden and just, you could watch it just go nuts. And I know those places that have like winters and stuff like that, you can grow stuff in your home. You can get those little towers, whatever, plant something. Because if we're starved out, because this is where they're starting. So they affect our chickens, right? Yeah. The chickens that are gone. Now they're going after our beef. Yeah. And then they're going after our our vegetables and fruits and everything else. So what else do we have? Our soil is already contaminated. And we just really need to get out there. One, we need to make sure that it is mandated by each state to label food. It is mandatory to, for them to label food. So we are not thrown for a loop. Go to your local farmers, go to your farmers markets and make those relationships because yeah. everything goes to hell, then they're going to be the ones you want to be friends with. Oh, and Yeah. Stock up on those canned goods because they may be valuable. Stock up on your gold or silver or whatever. But yeah. it's there's a number of things, and it's all coming down the pipeline. It is. And I was just reading on the Epoch Times an article about some Amish farmer. I think it was in Pennsylvania or somewhere where they're looking to shut his farm down as a community farm for meat and poultry and, and vegetables and fruit. This is how aggressive they're getting. It's an attack from so many different angles. We could talk about central bank digital currency and quantum tattoos and Luciferian dye, and people will call us conspiracy theorists. And it's so interesting that I was even mentioning this to Alex yesterday, Alex Newman from the Epoch Times when I interviewed him. 
I did a little bit of a deep dive into this whole quantum tattoo technology, right? And I came up with an article I found from Rice University from a Dr. McHugh. He's a biologist and a chemist, biochemist. And he was the one doing the research back in 2014 and 15. Now you want to hear how coincidental this was. He's doing this research on quantum tattoos, talking about Luciferian dye. It's an enzymatic dye that goes underneath the skin and creates and works with quantum computing. Now you'll hear that term probably in the next several months about quantum computing, and they've been talking about it lately. And the quantum tattoo, if this doesn't sound familiar, if you go to Revelations chapter 13, verses 16 through 17, the mark of the beast, yeah. I'm not saying that is the mark of the beast, but... Now I truly believe it 100%. Yeah, so what's interesting when you read this article, it's a scientific article from Rice University. It was a paper that was written through this research. It talks about this quantum tattoo being used, and they alluded to it being used for, guess what? Vaccination passports. And this was yeah. written in 2014 and 15. So, you know, people can sit there with their heads down in their phones or whatever and say, well, it's just all conspiracy theory, but it's not conspiracy theory. This is all true. This is happening. And like Sololinsky says, when you boil the frog, you don't just turn the heat up very high to as high as it could go, you slowly put the heat up and you yeah. just continue to slowly put it up and slowly put it up until the water starts to boil and it's too late. And I think that's where we're at. Yeah. We're at past medium on the boiling temperature right now. We're pretty much past medium. <laughs> we're almost boiling, getting close to it with Klaus Schwab and his Yari Harari. And there, another interesting thing that Alex was mentioning yesterday was he was talking about religious institutions that they're attacking too. They're going after a lot of these religious institutions. Some religious institutions are in working with these globalists as well. And I'm thinking, wow, if that doesn't resonate with so much truth in the Bible, then nothing does right there when it talks about churches pretty much conforming to the worldly ways. So here we are. And I have to agree a hundred percent. You're gonna you're gonna have your good, bad, and everything in the medical community and in the churches, no matter what, they there a lot of the pastors who were keeping their churches open were clearly stating if your church is closing down and they're doing everything that they're being told to do, find another church. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's that easy. If your doctor is going everything that your gut against everything that your gut and you know, your soul is telling you is right, then find another doctor. There are good doctors out there. I've worked alongside and spoke alongside so many amazing doctors that are out there making a real difference. Absolutely. Find your right news sources. There are decent news sources. Epoch Times is amazing. That's yeah. where I most of my stuff. Children's Health Defense will put out newsletters on just about anything and everything that there is, not just children's health. And they right. are setting everything on the forefront, first and yeah. foremost. Yeah. So you've got OAN News. Yeah. Um, still pretty corrupted, but some of them are, <laughs> like, they still will not say the word vaccine. They won't. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. 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 They're throwing softballs. I always said about churches too, if you're going to a Christian church and they're not preaching the gospels and talking about repentance and it's a feel good church and you feel good when you walk out, that means that pastor's not doing his job. <laughs> Yeah. They need to talk about the gospels of Jesus Christ and repentance and going to the cross. A pastor I listen to a lot is a Paul Washer out of California. Great pastor. Yeah. It's so wonderful to have you on the Medical Truth Podcast. I really appreciate your time. And again, your book is called Warrior Mom. And the website? So they can go to warriormom.org. And under the book tab, it'll give them all the different options. My book is sold wherever it's sold online, wherever books are sold. And it's in a lot of Barnes and Noble bookstores. So it's just slowly getting out there to bookstores. At the beginning, it just trickles a little bit. But wherever you buy a book online, you should be able to buy my book. Yeah, um, good. It doesn't have to be Amazon. If you're not an Amazon fan, you can go to Barnes and Noble, Book Depository, any bookstore is going to have it. Yeah. Yeah. And congratulations. You just got newly appointed for what California for the child health defense. So I am on the advisory board for the California chapter. Beautiful. Children's health defense. And now I'm also talking with Perk as well and assisting them in learning more about how to address the legislators. If I don't know how to do it, and I have done this before, but I've gone up with a group of people and it's, it's been where a whole crowd of us has, have gone up to fight certain bills, but there's so much, there's so much to learn yeah, to get out yeah. there and just really find your purpose, find sure. what don't sit back and just watch all this crumble. And then when it's, when it has crumbled, then say, oh, they didn't do their job. No, you didn't do your job. That's right. So That's left right. To us because I always love the saying by Ernest Holmes, if it is to be, it's up to me. And you could set a clear intention for anything. Sure. Truly say, if you want your child to heal or function, or there's something that you desire in life, set a clear intention, truly believe it in your heart and your soul and leave the rest up to God. And I promise there's everything's on its own divine time. Absolutely. Amen. Noah's on his perfect journey regardless. No matter what happens, every child, every spiritual being on this earth is on their own perfect journey. People come into our lives, good, bad, ugly, whatever, for a purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I tell people, do we got to be courageous because And I keep emphasizing we cannot make any of this stuff a political issue because that's what's creating the division is politics on both sides. I'm not talking about Democrat, Republican. I'm talking both sides. Keep the politics out of this. The power is in the people. It's united we stand, divided we fall. And the more divided we become through politics and through all this other stuff, being united in Christ and united and making decisions based on our God-given right and not the government-given, because the government shouldn't be giving us the right. It's the God who gives us the rights. Absolutely. And that's what we have to do. We have to band together as one and unite and not divide. It's not a political issue. It's a God issue. It's We need God. 
Period. Yeah. End of story. Thank you so much. And God bless. Thank you for being on the Medical Truth Podcast, Tracy. And God bless you as well. Thank you for listening to the Medical Truth Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast at www.medicaltruthpodcast.com so you don't miss any future episodes and share with family and friends to keep them informed as well. Until next time.